just want to let your brother know it doesn't get easy. Been doing this for years. I still get nervous. So it doesn't get easy. But God is good. God is good. It is a privilege and an honor for me to be here today. Um, I don't take this lightly. Um, as a pastor, we don't share our pulpits with nobody. You know, we're very jealous with that. So for Pastor Carlos to invite me and to share uh, today what the Lord has placed in my heart, I truly, truly honor it. And, and it's, it's a big, big thing for me. And I, I truly appreciate that. Um, with me is my beautiful family. I'm going to ask my beautiful wife if she could stand. <laughs> That's Sister Zoraima. Um, my daughter, Lauren. Yeah, teenagers, you know, just a little, just a little wave. But um, publicly, I want to say that I'm proud of my daughter. She's a senior in high school. Yep. She's uh, now has to choose which college she wants to go to because many have, have responded, and, and which is great. But more happy I am is the fact that she's one step closer to getting out of the house. <laughs> Amen. Uh, for those that are empty nesters, you know what I'm talking about. And the only problem is that a lot of times they leave the house, they get married, they get three kids, and they find themselves their way back. So we, I already have a plan that the moment that she leaves, we're moving, and I'm not going to give her the new address. So we can visit her, but she can't visit us. So that's, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, I was supposed to come at the end of January to celebrate National Men's Day with you, uh, but we had to postpone it because of the snow. Then as I'm checking the weather this week, I see it snow again for this weekend. I was like, come on, man, this is enough. But, but it worked out. It really worked out because we are celebrating, re-celebrating Men's Day on the most holiest men holiday, which is the Super Bowl, okay? God knows, God knows. So it doesn't matter if you're going for the Bengals, if you're going for the Rams, or if you're going for the commercials. I know that we are going to have a good time today in our homes. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to just share the word. I, I don't have much time. I, they only gave me two hours. So um, with that being said, you can remain, you can remain seated. But if you can open up with me to First of Kings chapter 2. First of Kings chapter 2, and I need to stop playing and pull out the glasses. I was trying to get away with it. But First of Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and I want to share a word that the Lord has given me for the men of this church. And not just the men, but for everybody. Because men need support. Men need support. So, First of Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 you could get it in your Bibles, in your phones, in your tablets, whatever you have. But I want to make sure you read it with me. Do you have it? Amen. And the word of the Lord says like this, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth. He says, so be strong, act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. And keep his decrees and commands. His laws and regulations. As written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do. 
and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. So King David is about to pass. He's about to die, right? And if you look at the chapter before and the book before, it acknowledges David as king. But when we get to this particular verse, it doesn't mention him as king. Because at this point, since he's in his deathbed, he has already relinquished power to his son Solomon. Now, many scholars, they, they debate to how old Solomon was. Josephus, the historian, says that Solomon was about 14 years old. Other scholars say that he was 12. Other scholars say that he was 20. So, for our purposes, Solomon was from the age of 12 to 20. To make it easier. In other words, he was young. He was young. Now, it doesn't matter how intelligent he was. He was young because he did not have the experience to lead a nation, to lead a people. Let's think about it. How many of us are willing to put a man or a woman 20 years old and vote for them to be president of the United States? It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how smart they are. They don't have the experience to make decisions that affect the whole country and affect the world. It doesn't matter if we're in peacetime. It doesn't matter if things are going great, which it seems like they never are. Okay. It's, we cannot put somebody or it's difficult for us to put somebody so young. And that is why King David tells him, act like a man. Now, I don't know how many men have heard that their whole lives. You need to act like a man. Or better yet, you need to man up. You need to man up. So I have a question for you. What does that mean? What does it mean to act like a man? What does it mean to man up? If I had a lot more time, if this was maybe a conference Saturday morning, if this was the Bible study, if we were in a small group, I would take the opportunity to ask every single man, can you please define to me what you think it is to be a man? And I guarantee you, every man will have a different answer. What is a man? Well, we don't have the time, but I got the answer for you. Because there was an article that was published in Esquire magazine, March 1st, 2015, so about seven years ago. And the article title is, What is a Man? So I'm going to read this list. It's not so long, but it's a list. And I want to see if you men, even you women, let's participate, if you agree with the definition of not of what a man is. All right? You let me know. Number one, a man carries cash. A man looks out for those around him. A man can cook eggs. A man can always find something good to watch on television. A man makes things. A man can speak to dogs. A man fantasizes that Kung Fu lives deep inside him somewhere. A man knows how to look at a woman's body and doesn't care if he gets busted once in a while. A man is good at his job. A man can look you up and down and figure some things out. A man infers. A man owns up. A man grasps his mistakes. A man doesn't point out that he did the dishes. 
A man looks out for children. A man has had enough liquor in his life that he can order a drink without sounding breathless, clueless, or obtuse. A man welcomes the coming of age. A man gets the door. A man resists formulations, questions belief, embraces ambiguity. A man revisits his beliefs. A man knows his tools and how to use them. A man knows how to lose an afternoon. A man listens, and that's how he argues. A man is comfortable being alone. A man loves driving alone, most of all. A man does not know everything. A man can tell you he was wrong. And last but not least, a man does not wither at the thought of dancing. That is what this writer of this article believes that a man is. Listening to that, you can tell that this is a worldly view, that this is a worldly concept, that this is what being uh, transferred uh, uh, or, or given to our society, being told to, to, to young men that are growing up that this is what a man is. In 1997 of March, PlayStation released a video called Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Don't know what it is. Never played it. But in the game, the beginning of the game, a question comes out which says, what is a man? And the answer comes out to be that a man is a miserable pile of secrets. This is a video game played by kids, played by teens. A man is full of secrets. A man cannot be trusted. How many women have said men are dogs? How many Christian women have said men are dogs? Let's get real. Men do not know how to be faithful. Men do not know how to be loyal. If it was up to me, we wouldn't need men. And let me tell you something. We need to wake up because culture is trying to destroy the role of a man. Culture is trying to say, we don't need men. But statistics says otherwise. But the sad part is that a lot of time what the world believes infiltrates the church. And the church comes out and says the same thing. How many times growing up have I been in services where they say, where are the men? How come there's more women than men? Well, <laughs> population-wise, there's like every 10 to 1 or something. I don't know. But where are the men? Men need to stand up. Men need to take their place. Men need to lead. I'm, I don't know about you, but if I hear a sermon like that, I'd rather just walk out. We don't put down our men. We lift them up. Because men are the high priests of the home. And I don't care how many thousands of years that has never changed that men are the high priest of the home. The job of a man is to lead his family. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But what is a man? Thank God that David, when he told his son to man up, he told him 
in those same verses what it is to be a man. And we have to understand, and, and, and I want to I wanna look at every single point. There's only six of them. It's only six, so I don't know, 15 minutes, I'll be done. And then we'll sing, we'll dance, we'll do whatever. But the first one, and then they could put the PowerPoint presentation on. The first point is that a man needs to be strong. This is the first thing that David tells his son. You need to be strong. What does that mean? Was Solomon supposed to go to Planet Fitness four times a week? I mean, membership is low right now. Does that what it means? Does that what it means to be strong? See, we, we have to understand that when Solomon took over, he was dealing with a nation that was at war. He was dealing with a nation that was turbulent. He was dealing with a nation that there was a strong party that was opposed to him that wanted the throne. He had to deal with the fact that he was the youngest of his brothers and any one of them were at the right age and at the right capacity to lead. They could have taken the throne. So we have to understand that the job that Solomon had was not easy. Matter of fact, I was, I was a while back, I was looking at a history channel and they were looking at, at, at Solomon and when he took over and they said that it was such a difficult task for him in the natural because he was young and he had to follow in the footsteps of his dad who was a man after God's own heart. How do you follow that? How do you lead a nation like that? And, and that, 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 that Solomon was, was going through so much in his heart and his mind. How do I do that? And that's why when the Lord comes to him and says, listen, I love your dad so much that whatever you ask for, I will give you. You want riches? I'll give it to you. Whatever you want, I will give you. And Solomon, in his young age, whatever it was, he says, give me wisdom to lead. Give me wisdom to lead. I need to lead this nation. Give me the wisdom that I need so I can lead them effectively and the right way. Amen. To rule the people according to the law of God requires great strength of mind against flattery and opportunities of revengeful men and against his own weaknesses to temptations of wealth and glory. We need a strong mind, men, to be able to lead. Because let me tell you, the minute you walk out that door, there's a whole world of temptation ready to take you down. How many good men have fallen to temptation? Oh, but, you know, don't worry about it. I got this. Every man that has fallen has says, I got this. We cannot think that we're above temptation. We cannot think that we're, there's no way we can fall. That's why it is so important that we do what? We build our strength through the word of God. We got to dive into the word. We got to dive into the word. We got to dive into the word. Because when we dive into the word, that's when we build ourselves up. And that's when we get strong. Because we need to build up our minds. Strong. Number two. 
We need to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. We are not asked to understand. We are asked to obey. How many times God tells us something, we're like, whoa, dude, that makes no sense. You want me to do what? Let, let, let's, 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 let's rewind this back a little bit. Let's look at this, God. Let's sit down. Let's have a powwow. He says, I'm not asking you to understand. My ways are not your ways. I just need you to do. But God, this is crazy. If it wasn't crazy, you wouldn't be asking us to do it. And the, the, the beautiful thing is when we do what he asks us, and as we're going through it, we're like, this don't make no sense, but I'm doing it. This don't make no sense, but I'm going. This don't make no sense. But when we see the hand of God, that's when we're like, oh, I'm sorry. Don't, don't try to understand. Just try to obey. There's something that Solomon still needed to do, which was to answer to a higher authority. Being the king of Israel did not mean that he was above it all. Because there was still someone that was above him that was sitting on his throne and was moving the pieces in place. It doesn't matter if we're, we are a CEO of a 500 company. It doesn't matter if we're a pastor. It doesn't matter what position you have. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States. It doesn't matter if you're a pope. You have someone that's above you. You have a higher authority. So men, we need to recognize that there's always somebody above us that we need to answer to. You're not the highest on the tree. There's somebody above you and it's not your wife. But that's for another conference. <laughs> Come on, I've been married for how, how long again, honey? Now, 21 years. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Number three, we need to keep the commandments of the Lord. Keep the commandments of the Lord. If you would open up with me with Deuteronomy chapter 17, 14 to 20. Yes, Lord, I understand. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I will change my message. I understand. I listen to you, Spirit of the Lord. So the message for today is the good, the bad, and the ugly of men. No. So Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 to 20 says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it and you say let us, sit, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. 
When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and those decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, even before they got a king, Deuteronomy is, is showing us what a king needed to do, how he needed to conduct himself. And on top of that, he needed to write, make a copy of this law everywhere he went. He needed to go to Staples, print out a whole bunch of copies and place them all over. And every single day he needed to read them so that he wouldn't forget his responsibility and what he owed to God and how he had to obey to God. But how many of us wake up every single day? How many of us go to bed every single night without even cracking the word of the Lord? And, and, and we, come on, all of us, we have the app. All of us, we have the word of the day, which is a nice little sentence. It's a nice little verse. That's not what I'm talking about. Aside from that, you need to dive into the word. This is our survival guide. This is how we're going to make it through everything. This is how we're going to be able to, to surpass everything that comes our way. It's through the word of God. But it's amazing how we give more ears to other things than we do to God. Should we wear a mask? Yes or no? Should we get the vaccine? Yes or no? Should we get a booster? Yes or no? Should we get with our family? Should we not get with our family? Who should we vote for, Biden or Trump? And it's amazing because what has become so popular in our culture is not the church, it's not the word of God, it's CNN. CNN has become the biggest church in America. Because you want the answer to what's going on in the world? Go to CNN. Forget about the fact that they're, they're skewing you to think a certain way. Let's not go there. Forget about listening to God. It, it's okay. Yeah, I understand that. But I'd rather listen to the prophet Fauci. I'd rather listen to other people instead of what God says. Listen, mask, no mask, mandate, no mandate, vaccine, no vaccine, booster one, booster two, booster three, four, and five. It doesn't matter. I listen to what the Lord tells me. Now, uh, please don't misinterpret. I'm not saying, okay, take the mask and throw it away. We're going to celebrate. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you know what the problem is? When we're going through a, a situation as men, what do we do? We go to other men. What is the number one place for men to get therapy? Actually, it's two. Thank you. The barbershop. Kevin Hart says, black people, we don't, we don't, 
We don't go to therapy. We go to barbershops and we talk about our problems. Or we watch the movie Barbershop. We go to barbershop. And if you don't serve the Lord, the bar. The best friend for a man is his barber. He loves the barber more than his wife. And the bartender. We go to everybody else and ask their opinion. We go to everybody else and seek their counsel. And a lot of times we never even look towards God. The first person we need to go to is the Lord. The first person we need, the first thing we need to go to is the word of God. We need to seek the, the word of God. It doesn't matter how many thousands of years ago it was written. It's still relevant today. It still answers all the questions and everything that we go through. The Bible still helps us with everything that we need. So we go to the word of God. We go to the Lord. We go to the Holy Spirit. And then we seek counsel. Of godly people. We seek counsel of godly people. Your pastor. Your leaders. Other men that, that you know are men of God. Even women of God. Women got some awesome advice. But we seek the counsel of godly people. People that will not steer you wrong. Number four, Solomon, uh, David tells Solomon that if you do all these things, if you become strong, if you walk in obedience, and if you keep the commandments of the Lord, you will prosper. You will prosper. Now, what does that mean to prosper? Well, if you look at a worldly perspective, it means how much money is in the bank. It means how many gold cards are in your wallet. It means the kind of car you drive. It means the house that you live in. That's prosperity. But for us, prosperity is a little bit different. I find prosperity in my life finding favor in the eyes of people. I find prosperity in my life being able to lead my family in the things of the Lord. I find prosperity in my life when I'm able to teach a class or bring a message or, or do something in ministry or, or even hand out a turkey to a person in need. That to me is prosperity. If the God blesses me with a million dollars, amen, I'll take it. I'm not, not going to fight you, God. I'm not going to fight you, God. But prosperity, prosperity to me is in a moment of financial crisis where we don't know what we're going to do, but we turn to the Lord. And the next day in the mailbox, there's a check that covers what we need. That's prosperity. Prosperity is being able to have a roof over my head. Regardless if it's a little house, regardless if it's comfortable, regardless, come on, homeowners, how many times we still have to repair that same wall? That's prosperity. See, the church needs to, to, to change our perspective of what prosperity is. Because if we don't, we're going to have a life of disappointment. Prosperity is being able to just trust in God. Look what it says in Psalms chapter 1, 1 to 3. 
Blessed. Oh, I just spoke about this, but okay. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatever he does will prosper. Number five. David told Solomon that if you do everything that I'm telling you, not only will you prosper, but you will also leave a legacy. A legacy. I usually don't share this with a lot of people, but I feel like I'm, you know, your family. But uh, not so long ago, I had the opportunity to be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. Why you laugh? The problem was that there was a, a, a guy that was just a little bit better than me, just a little bit, it's something, um, Jeet or something. So he, he, he took my spot. And um, because I could no longer be the shortstop of the Yankees, um, there was another team that contacted me and said, are you willing to join, you know, call my agent, which is my wife, and said, is he willing to join our, 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 our team? The problem was that it, I said that if I cannot, you know, play ball for a major league team, I wouldn't do it. And, and the team that was contacting me was a, this minor league team in, in Queens, um, somewhere in Roosevelt Avenue something. So yeah, somewhere around there. Um, so I said, I, I, absolutely not. No, no. I only play for a professional team. When I was looking at the video of your men, I saw a young man with a Yankee jersey. And I said, the presence of the Lord resides in this place. <laughs> Came close to speaking tongues. Really. I said, the presence of the Lord. I said, thank you. This is the house I can worship. But then I saw something that just grieved my spirit. And today, if you are a even though saying it hurts. But if you are a fan of the METS, today I have time, I will make a special altar call for salvation because there is room at the cross. The legacy that I can leave my family is not the fact that I was a ball player, I wish. The legacy is not the fact that I was a rock star. The legacy is not the fact that I was a famous actor. The legacy that I have is not the fact that I was the CEO of a, a Fortune 500 company. That's not my legacy. My legacy that I'm leaving behind for, for my daughter, for her kids and their kids is the fact that I was a man of God. 
was the fact that I served the Lord, was the fact that I was a high priest of my home, that I led them in the right way. That is my legacy. My legacy is that every time I took the pulpit or I taught a class, I poured out what I had and I gave it to them. That is my legacy. But a lot of times we're looking for these great things and that's not what God has called us to be. How many times have I heard people, they've come up to me and says, Pastor, I, I, I don't know what it is that, that I'm supposed to do for the Lord. And if it's a man, two things. Go to all the nations, preach the gospel, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Disciple people. And the second thing I tell them, lead your home. Too many people want to lead the world and win their world, but they can't even win their home. Yes. And, I, and I, listen, I am not saying it's easy. We have children that are wilding out. We have teenagers that are wilding out. We have uh, uh, adult sons and adult daughters that are wilding out and doing their thing. We understand the times. But at the same time, I'm going to pay the price with my knees. And I'm going to pray that God will arrest them away from the enemy and bring them back to his feet. Every opportunity I get, where I'm going to plant the seed. In my house, you will respect the Lord. That is our legacy. And David told Solomon, he says, if you do all these things, you know what your legacy will be? That this family will remain on the throne and the Messiah is going to come from this throne. But for that to happen, he needed to remain faithful. He needed to become, remain faithful. The succession should be continued in the line without any interruptions. Men that are listening here today, what is your legacy? What is your legacy? Number six, and with this I close. Musicians, if you would please join me. Number six. And this, this was not in the scriptures. This is one that I added because I believe so much in it. It is so important. But we need more men to become mentors. I hear it all the time. I didn't have a chance to grow up with a father. My mom raised me, my grandma raised me, uh, my sisters raised me. But there was no male figure in the home. We need to mentor. We need to be able to take people and men under our wings. We don't need to be their spiritual daddy. We, they, they already have a daddy. We need to be a brother. We need to look out for one another. We need accountability. We need to be able to, 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 to pinpoint, it seems like my brother's going through some, some, something. Let's go to Starbucks. Let's go to Dunkin' Donuts. Let's just talk. 
Let's just get together. Let's just, just, how's everything? How's, how's it going? You know that, that, that Pastor Carlos knows I've had great men in my life as pastors, great men. Each one of them deposited something different in my life. The church I go to right now is, is, is Bethlehem Assemblies of God. It's in Valley Stream, Long Island. Pastor Steve Malazzo. And two years ago, it was a pandemic. The Lord spoke to us and said, it's time to, to move from where we were at. Our assignment was done helping the pastor of that church build it up. And now it's time for our journey to see where God wanted us to go. And when, when we got there, uh, it, was, it was, matter of fact, it was the second week after the church opened up during the pandemic. So it was the middle of July. I was laughing, brother, because, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't know where to go. We set our exit from our church, and we said goodbye, but we had no clue where we were going. And we're thinking, we're thinking where to go, where to go, and, and, and God led me to this church. So we did what anybody would do. We checked out the service on video. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and it was funny because the Lord really ministered to our hearts through the screen. And um, the, second, the next week that we're going to reopen, so uh, we looked at each other and said, should we go? We're like, nah, you know, because we don't know what's going on. And so we're like, you know what, let's just, let's just wait. Let's check it out for one more week. And, and then we went the following week, and then um, I, I went there, and, and we were online greeting the pastor, and I said, you know what, let me take the opportunity. I said, listen, um, I'm Pastor Malazzo, I just want to let you know who I am, introduce myself, um, and, and I'm, I'm an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God, and, and I feel that God has brought us here. I don't know why, but we're just here, so I just want to let you know who we are and, and that we want to sit under you. We, we, he says, oh, that's awesome, whatever. We, we connected. Um, we had a meeting through Zoom, and then as time passed by, he, he kept saying, you know, um, we should have coffee. Let's have coffee. Or let's break. No, actually, I want to buy you lunch. So you know I felt the Lord. I felt God. And I said, yeah, perfect. So we, 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 we sat down and, and, and we, we got to talk and this and that. And he kept saying, you know, I, I just, who are you? Who's Edwin? And I said, well, I've done this. I've done that. And he listened. He's so polite. And then when he finished, he goes, I, I that, don't care about that. Who are you? And I was like, I don't know what to say. Nobody has ever asked me, who am I? I wasn't even sure if I knew who I was. And, and I sat down and, and then it's amazing because ever since then we, we meet once a month and we have breakfast, we have lunch, we have, we have coffee, we have whatever. And we sit down for two hours just getting to know who we are. He's mentoring me. He's mentoring me. And there are times that I, that, you know, because, you know, we battle the flesh and I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, we, listen, we're, we're not different. Oh, I, I got it together. And, and then I come out of there, I'm like, I know nothing. I stink. I'm horrible. I don't even know why God uses me. Because th there, there's things that are revealing within me that I still have to work through. We have not arrived, ladies and gentlemen. 
We reach perfection when we get to the heavens, but we have not arrived. There are still things in our lives that we need to work on, and we need to recognize that and understand that, that we fail like everybody else. We struggle like everybody else. We have temptations that we deal with like everybody else. But to be humble enough to come to somebody and says, can you just pray with me? Because I'm struggling right now. I'm going through something. We don't, have to, we don't have to give the laundry list. Just pray with me. I just, I, I just need you to pray with me. Sometimes we talk too much. I just need you to pray with me. We need the men to stand up and say, hey, whatever you need, I'm here, man. A pastor, our pastor is a great man of God. Our men's leader somewhere, yes, great man of God. The other pastors and other leaders are great men of God. You don't need a title to be a great man of God. You, we all play a part in this. We all play a part in this. And my prayer is that what you see here, what you see right now, that with this jacket, with these shoes, with this, you know, that I wish I had jeans right now and a t-shirt. Because that's who I am. But the man that you see right now is the same man that my family sees at home. When I'm in my shorts and my t-shirts, eating sunflower seeds, watching the Hallmark Channel, I mean ESPN. <laughs> Devil, you're a liar. True story. One Christmas a few years ago, and with this, I promise I'll, I'll end. One Christmas a few years ago, my wife was really sick at home, so we couldn't go nowhere for Christmas. So I found the Hallmark Channel with all the Christmas movies. It got so it got so much to the point that I started knowing the storyline even before the movie started. And I always I would time it because at 58 or 59, the, the couple that tried to get together but couldn't get together with difficulties, no difficulties, with all this, with all that. They would kiss at 58 or 59 before the movie ended. I'm closing now. What I want from you, I want every man, if you're over 12 years old, I want every man to stand up right now. Just stand. Every man, every man, every man. When you, gentlemen, feel like you're alone look around this room right now you are not alone these are your brothers in the Lord we leave no man left behind you are not alone I need the wives and I need the children of these men to stand up right next to them and I need you to put your hand on their back 
because these men need to know that in difficult moments in the good and their bad they have their support right next to them that every single day they will pray for you they will be there for you so right now if you can please just close your eyes as I make this closing prayer Father we just come before you at this moment my God Father, I have given them what you have given me, Lord. Father, I pray, my God, that you see your sons, my God. These are your prince. These are your high priests. These are the men that you have called to lead in this time and this hour. But God, they can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. We need your help first of all. And we need the help of every single brother. And we need the support of our family. Father, right now, I come against the enemy that is trying to steal them away from their family, that's trying to steal them away from you, Lord. I come against the enemy that... that whispers in their ear that they're not good enough yes they are because they're under the blood of Jesus Christ they have been washed with the blood and they are perfect continue to lift them up continue to lift them up continue to lift them up under the power of the almighty I thank you for them Lord and I pray this in your precious name amen Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.